Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Our episode partner for tonight's RTU number 173 is No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow. Guys, No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow, an evening with Caroline Solabello, Karen Oliver, and the Yayas, an evening of fantastic folk music, is coming to a town near you this weekend. They're going to be at Outpost in the Burbs in Montclair, New Jersey, tomorrow night, April 25th, and they'll be in Sudbury, Massachusetts on Saturday night at the Fox Run Concert Series. So go to www.facebook.com backslash No Fuss and Feathers Roadshow for information on those shows, and if you live near there, please go. Okay, time for Ready to Unload with Callan Sampete. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Johnny and the mothers are playing something at the Savoy in Vermont tonight. Grandma's gonna kill my brother at the Savoy Theater tonight. I didn't say that. No, but I know this grapevine. Why would I put it there? Kindness? 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 You stole it! He stole it! We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Hello there, and welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 173, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and soon, Boston, Boston, Massachusetts, era, that's uh, where Cal is, era, people of Boston, he is uh, there on business, eating dosants, <laughs> he's going to tell us all about the dosant which is the Boston equivalent of the Cronut, apparently. Anyway, welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast. We are, uh, this is episode number 173. We are live, of course, but you can also get it on iTunes tomorrow. Please subscribe to the podcast um, in iTunes. Search for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. We're just ready to unload because I think we're the only show that does that. Uh, or on Stitcher. We're also on Stitcher Nice. So go get that. And uh, hi, welcome to the show. I'm Sam Pete. We're going to talk New York sports. Cal is uh, not with us yet. He's not here yet. He's going to be calling in momentarily from his hotel room in Boston. He has 
been to the Red Sox-Yankees game tonight. He went, went to Fenway. He's up in Boston on a work trip. Went to Fenway. Yeah, he bought a ticket, sat in the bleachers, 10 bucks. had himself a time. He texted me uh, as if he was in Field of Dreams. Is this heaven? No, it's, it's Boston. So uh, he'll be calling in. And uh, we're talking New York Sports Nice, number 173, no big deal. So welcome to the program. Uh, let's bring in PJ. We're going to do this early. Bishop Big Donut. Big Donut. Um, he is the third man in for this podcast. He is the, the sort of guy that, you know, he just contributes to the conversation in a non-sporting, sporting way. He used to be known as Pop Culture PJ. Now, he's just PJ. Bishop Big Donut. And uh, he sort of checks Cal and I. You know, he gives the casual sports fan perspective. And this is his intro music. Hi. Hi, Paul. (laughs) I have a giant head. (laughs) My God. Your head is is gigantic, yes. It is. It's unbelievable. I'm one of those people who gets stuck in his own shirts. (laughs) And this this happened to me today. Um, my, My wife was coming home and she said, hey, instead of eating dinner at home, I won't even park the car. I'll just pull up. Everybody jump in the van and let's go. I said, great. I just have to change my shirt. Two hours later. And I (laughs) stuck in my shirt, flailing around the bedroom. I have a giant head, and I see myself now on the monitor through the uvu. Yes. On the whole screen. You are are taking up my whole kitchen right now. It's fantastic. I have to do the show for you. You you do know that I've been uh, resigned. I've been (laughs) assigned to the kitchen now to do the program because with the birth of... Of the second child, there went the office. Well, the acoustics are okay, though. The acoustics are lovely, except when we're doing a load of laundry during the show. (laughs) (laughs) Like like at 9.43, my wife will come in and be like, I just need a quick load of delicates. (laughs) Don't find that noise. It's just draining. Wash your unmentionables at another time. I, um, I'm going to start off with sports. We have a lot of sports to talk about tonight. Um, and once Cal gets here, we definitely will. The Mets are surprising people, PJ. Surprising. Even me. And I don't even follow. That's right. And then uh, I don't know if you saw anything about this pine tar thing with Michael Pineda and the Yankees. We're not going to – it's been covered to death. But what I do want to talk to Cal about, and even you, is, is just the, the idiocy of this guy running out on the mound again with pine tar. So he pitches against the Yankees like uh, two weeks ago, and he clearly has pine tar on his wrist. Oh, yeah, I saw that close-up. Yeah. That was ridiculous. I mean, right. totally so last nailed. Night, last night he's pitching against them again, against the Red Sox, and he's got it like all over his neck. He looks filthy. He looks like Pigpen, basically, in pine tar. And he, he just, you're just acting like nobody can see it. That's and it's all. like it's, nobody can see it. And he, like all his teammates like just went back to their positions. Like he got thrown out of the game and he got suspended for 10 games. And it's, it's not that big a deal to do the pine tar thing. A lot of pitchers do it. It's the idiocy of trying it twice after you were already caught and having it like on your neck. Like he might as well have had a pine tar tattoo. Explain to me the layman what the pine tar does to the ball. So it's cold out, right? 
It really doesn't... Right. It's early in the season. It's very difficult for a pitcher to get a grip on the ball. You'll constantly see pitchers in this weather, you know, when they get a new baseball, and of course, they get a new baseball almost every pitch, you know, every other pitch, because it's the major leagues, and you'll see them, you know, licking their hand and rubbing it up and, you know, all sorts of um, uh, ways to get a better grip on the ball. The pine tar, which should be put somewhere in a clandestine fashion. Let's be discreet. Yeah, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, it helps you get a grip on the ball. That's all. It doesn't really do much for movement or anything. Like, There's a difference between that and what Gaylord Perry used to do, which, of course, would be your favorite baseball name. Um, but Gaylord Perry, who's a Hall of Fame pitcher, won over 300 games yep. and was a known cheater. Like Gaylord Perry was the guy with the Vaseline on the brim of his cap and the emery board in his back pocket and I mean he was, All right, so using pine tar is not like scuffing the ball or or uh it's not no, gonna give you an no. instant instant screwball pitch or something like that. No, exactly. It's 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 only cheating because you're not allowed to put any foreign substance on the ball. But guys do it. And it's you know, sort of accepted. It's not yeah, it's not it's not extra special cheating. You know, it's just trying to give yourself a little bit of an advantage. Honestly, pitchers in the National League can get away with it because they hit. So if they put, <laughs> if they put pine tar on their bat, in, you know, they, when they take batting practice yeah. or whatever, put a little pine tar on your bat and hit barehanded, and all of a sudden you have pine tar on your hands. Yeah. So, but it's just the idiocy of going out to the mound. One more thing on Gaylord Perry that you'll appreciate, Peach. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to finish this. If you go back to Naked Gun, you remember there's the moment in Naked Gun uh, at the end with the baseball montage when I Love L.A. by Randy Newman is playing? Yes. And the umpire, Leslie Nielsen in this case, uh, or as Enrico Palazzo, and the umpire, <laughs> goes goes out to the mound and the pitcher has like a jar of Vaseline and like a sand, like an, an electric belt sander. Right. And all that stuff. That's Gaylord Perry. All right. Like, that's literally based on Gaylord Perry. There was He got caught once. He pitched for the Mariners. He pitched for, like, a lot of teams. He got caught once. The umpire came out to the mound, and he tried to, like, fling, fling the – I think it was Gaylord Perry. might have been another guy. Tried to fling the emery board out of his back pocket. <laughs> There's, like, a famous video of that. It's like <laughs> I didn't the umpire, Right. The umpire comes out to the mound and is like, come on. Are you doctoring the baseball? Quit playing around. And he pulls like the puts his hands in his back pockets of his baseball pants yeah. and goes to do the who me and yeah. tries to fling the emery board away. <laughs> while he's look doing what's going out to the field. Oh, look at that. I was uh, getting a manicure today because is there, I'm, a, I'm a touch dainty. Is there nothing a pitcher can put on his hand that won't transfer to the ball? No, pretty much No. The sp- I mean, the spitter. I mean, that's why the, <laughs> the spitter is not legal anymore. You know, like these guys used to like spit saliva on the ball and, and, and throw it. Um, but, you you know, if you – there are famous – Eddie Seacott for, the, for the, the White Sox, who became the Black Sox, used to throw what they called a shine ball. And it was, it was legal. You know, if you could get away with it, it was sort of like, uh, you know, there were no rules on the books against the shine ball, Peach, and he would put shoe polish on his pants. 
and just rub the rub the ball in the shoe polish. You know, and the ball would move like six feet. <laughs> but anyway, you know, this guy, I mean, you got to just be a touch more discreet. You can't go on there with it lathered on the back of your neck. Why not just rub it under the eyes and say that it's the... Uh... It, like the eye black. Yeah. Exactly. A little eye black. It's itching me. That's all. <laughs> of course, there's, there's no pictures that wear eye black. None. No. That would be the most suspect thing ever. Pine tar tattoo on the forearm. Yeah. It says Pearl Jam. I just need to... Wait, right. I just got this pine tar rag tattooed on my on my arm. <laughs> and yes, it's sticky. It's a new thing in tattoos. If you, It's like a scratch and sniff. Right. If you... Uh, by the way, uh, Wesley got his first scratch and sniffs, uh, sniff stickers. Oh, what fun. I mean, just mind yeah. blown. Right. Blown away. That's, this is the introduction to technology. That's it. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's been playing with the, he's been using the iPad since he was like eight months old. <laughs> but a scratch and sniff snicker, uh, sticker, snicker, a scratch and sniff sticker. That's not easy to say. It's got good feedback though. You scratch yeah. it, and you you, you, you get, get something, something that wasn't there a second ago. That's right. He was like. He was like, what is this alchemy that you have presented me? Who are you? That's what it is. It's alchemy. It's an it's introduction to alchemy, actually. Are you, are you some sort of witch doctor? <laughs> he's, uh, he's medieval, my son, basically. Where is Cal? We don't know yet. We're waiting. He's, he might have had trouble getting back to his hotel room. He's in Boston? It is, it is Boston. That's right. Oh, all right. We uh, we still don't know what he does for a living. This occurred to me today, as we were uh, we were chatting. Cal's at a work event, I'm told, and then I said, "Oh, well, what does Cal do?" I don't know. I don't know what he does. He could be a spy. I have no idea. He is. He's a double secret agent. No idea what Cal does. Yeah. I know he works uh, in insurance in some way, shape, or form. He may be an adjuster. We don't know. Seriously? You don't know? I, I don't know either. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Anyway, he's, he'll be calling in a minute. Hey, listen, I want to get your take on this. Yeah. Go. There is, one, there is one sports story that has happened in the last few weeks that you are eminently qualified to talk about. <laughs> Eminent? Wow. Yeah, Eminence Front. It's a put-on. And I wanted to get your... Uh, is that Pete Townsend solo, or is that The Who? That's The Who, right? That's The Who. That's The Who, what's on the... Yeah. Doesn't it feel Townsend uh, solo-ish? I think... It, right, it, it, it sounds like he's breaking away within the band. <laughs> you know what I used to think that song said? What? When that song came out, I'm, I was really young. I thought, I thought they were saying, it's Eminem's fun. <laughs> So I'm walking around my back. It's M&M's fun. They're they have fun with candy. They're delicious. They're delicious. Come and join the party. Bring your M&M's. <laughs> it's M&M's fun. <laughs> They're delicious. Um, Silly child. I do not. I do not care for that song. It's one of the worst Who songs. <laughs> Officially. 
Yeah, it is. It's it's it's. Yeah, it's, it's down there. So Ralph Wilson passed away, and you are a sort of Bills fan in some ways. Yes, I, I grew to appreciate them a great deal, right at their pinnacle, their apex, their AFC domination. Yeah, and and I wanted to just get you know as somebody who went to Binghamton and lived up in that neck of the woods for a while and. I know Binghamton and Buffalo aren't exactly next door to each other, but, um, and, you know, was sort of a Bills fan, and I don't have a really good feel for Ralph Wilson, uh, despite dating somebody from that area for the better part of a decade. I, I don't, I don't have like a, can you, can you shed some light on Ralph Wilson? I mean, I know historically I've read Wikipedia, but like, people love this guy, right? Well, that was just – look, Binghamton was uh, a 50-50 school. It was right in the middle of New York State. So you had down, downstaters about 60% and western New Yorkers about 40%. And they brought with them um, a lot of Bill's love. <laughs> right. Uh, and these are just fiercely loyal people, and they loved – like, you know when someone tells a, a, a jet story – um, inevitably, it's accompanied by a you know, a, a, a Woody Johnson comment or right, know, right, right, right. That, that's negative. Where you, someone tells a mess <laughs> right, story, right, it's, it's right. you know, frickin' Will Ponds. I love the team, but da 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 da. Right. Um, Bills fans, or at least you know, for the time that I was with them, <laughs> uh, it. It was, it was not like that. It was it was like, you know, proud to be part of the organization and and, you know, from from bottom to the top we're all it, it was a positive we're all into this thing. And I think yeah. that's what drew me to it. It's funny you, you say know? that because Yeah, the, there's sort of like a camaraderie and a common goal and a sort of uh, it's funny you say that. The one experience that I have, I went to, uh, I've seen the Jets in a number of places, uh, eight or nine uh, different stadiums on the road and stuff. And I used to be able to travel to see them a lot when I was in college. And I saw them in Buffalo. Um, it was probably October of 1994. Uh, and a buddy of mine was from uh, Rochester. We took a ride there. I wanted to go see the Jets against the Bills. It was the game that Boomer and got Absolutely destroyed by Bruce Smith, <laughs> and they still they still talk about this game, like Boomer still talks about this hit on Boomer and Carton all the time, because <laughs> it should have been an offsides penalty, but it was before they had the the whistle for unabated to the quarterback. Okay. So the left tackle for the Jets was offsides, Everett McIver, and so. They didn't whistle the play dead. Right. Yeah. So so Bruce Smith just came around end and destroyed. Like there was like the imprint of Boomer on the ground, like cartoon right. style. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was like five inches below the actual turf. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never forget that Buffalo game was amazing because it was like it was like going to a high school game or a college game. Everybody was all in. Everybody loved the team. You drive up to the stadium in Orchard Park, and 
everybody's going to the game and you're parking on people's lawns and it was amazing like this feeling of yeah loving the team and yeah. this sort of and, you know, Ralph insular Wilson, love right if if his face appeared on the jumbotron let's say um there was applause you know he's the right. kind of guy who could who could uh who could walk through the parking lot to the game you right. know and, and not and not worried yeah. about not worry about cat calls uh and that you know people were glad right. to see him right know? he was a, uh, it was like fact. a it was like a family thing where and that's a, that's a, an aspect i've been talking to uh had a really good conversation with a Met and Jet fan, an Islander fan, that I uh, play baseball with. And it's only my second year with the team, so I don't really... I'm just starting to get to know these guys. And they're a little older or whatever. And he was talking about that idea, that fan base idea. That, And I got into this with somebody on Twitter this week as well. That, like, if, I, if you could change fan bases, like, I would gladly change and trade the Jets fan base, the Mets fan base. Trade them because, out. Just I trade them for like a Bills fan base because right. those those people believe in their teams, and it's mm-hmm. not it's not a matter of being Pollyanna. That's not it. It's and again we've talked about this a ton, and that's why I was interested to get your take on Ralph Wilson and the and to a lesser extent the Bills, but equally the Bills because there I mean, is it's that a thing. very limited take, but that's that's what I no that's, noticed, that's, and, and that's exactly what I was getting at, Peach. You, you actually crystallize what I what I was thinking, and and it leads me to this idea that like Met fans and Jet fans have gotten to the point where they'd rather be right and suck than wrong and successful. Like they'd rather be snarky and sarcastic and hate their team and and be right about their team sucking than be wrong about a player or an organization and be good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I never you know, you would never see that with the Bills fan base. It's really going to be interesting to see what happens now that he's passed. You know, because Don, like Donald Trump is rumored to be buying the. I mean, things could get oh, crazy. Oh, really? Okay, I yeah, was not Buffalo. keeping up with that. Okay, that's scandalous. Yeah. Well, uh, it, look, it's it's time. It is time. He's here. Is he here? I heard he might be here. There's a rumor, era. My uh, this, partner in crime, era. This, mu- this music is playing while I'm running frantically down the streets of Boston. Era, my partner uh, in crime. He is uh, in in Boston, uh, entertaining uh, at a uh, hi, Cal. I'll hi, stop. Steve. I'll stop. Hi. Hey, what's up there? You're in a you're in a hotel room. You got a Red Sox hat on. I don't even know who you are anymore. I'm on location. You are on location. What's up, buddy? Not much. Just back from uh, from the old Fenway. Yeah, tell me about Fenway Park. We're gonna. I, I set the stage for what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about the surprising Mets. We're gonna talk about the Yankees. And PJ and I talked a little bit about the pine tar and the idiocy. Of one of one man who doesn't know, as PJ put it, how to be discreet. Just be discreet. That's all. I will tell you that that was quite the talk tonight at the park. Oh, I bet. That was yeah. like it was like getting caught with lipstick on your collar. You got to be better than that. You got to be. Um, and so, and we're going to talk about the NFL schedule, and then we're going to talk about the NFL draft, 
um, and our draft of Palooza Ganza Festathon with the boys from Turn on the Jets. That's in the works. Uh, but we start with you at Fenway, man. Tell me about you. I said it sounded as if you were in Field of Dreams, and you were like, is this Iowa? No, it's Boston. First of all, how do I sound? Uh, you sound uh, very uh, <laughs> era. You uh, sound fine. Okay. You're, you're, you're coming in clear. All right. I'm not. I mean, I don't have the uh, I don't have the normal equipment with me. Right. On this on this remote location no, shot. No, you sound you sound great. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of this. All right. Great. Um, so Fenway, Fenway, I. What did I tell you? I, I sent you a message, and the best, it was really the best way I could describe it. If you are a baseball fan and you don't have any allegiance to any team and someone just dropped you, and not like pick you up and drop you, but dropped you off, drove you to Fenway, <laughs> let car, dropped you off, left you, left, you, left you for dead. <laughs> yeah, no, not like that. Um, uh, Oh, hold on, you cut out there, buddy. Um, yeah, that's what I thought. No, 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 that's okay. you're okay. You're okay. We'll keep it so, together. Yeah, you you would uh you would fall in love with the Red Sox and the place. Immediately. Immediate like right away. That's awesome. You said though that there were a lot of Yankee fans there. Surprising amount, enough to generate a uh, let's go Yankees chant. Oh boy. Well that's no yeah, good. Seven nothing at the time. Sure. So that helped, but yeah, a lot, a lot more Yankee fans than I would have expected. Give me two big takeaways differentiating the Fenway experience from the City Field experience. Uh, the the first is that you're right on top of the field. Okay. At Fenway Park. Now, biggest thing for us when they built City Field was how much closer to the field you were at City Field than you were at Shea. Yes. Right? Which you are. You're, you're way closer. Oh, yeah. No, I, you, you definitely are. But then you go to Fenway, and you're practically playing center field. <laughs> you're right. Like right on top of the action. Right. Smaller. So, that, so that's, that's a big thing. Okay. Um. And the other thing is that the fans there, they're the defending champions. Helps. So that helps a lot. Sure. It's not like they haven't won a championship in 28 years. The fans are just more relaxed. They've won three in the last last ten. Yeah. Yeah. Fans, Fans are much different. Just a much more, it's a much more easygoing atmosphere, even in a Yankee Red Sox game. And a Yankee route. It was, it, the route was on early. Yes. It was bad. Well, you, you brought the Mets. Sure did. <laughs> you can try to I, wear a Red Sox hat, but you, you, you brought the mush. I apologize to the city. <laughs> I just all I wanted to do was take in a ball game tonight. I did not mean for this to happen. You mushed him. Oh, bad, bad. Well, I am. I'm really glad you you did that, buddy. I really am. It's a cool it's, thing to to go to. Uh, first of all, I love going to a ball game by myself every once in a while. I really do. I love it too. 
I've done it many a time for the Mets. I really like it. But to go to a ball game, and, and I, I, I've done it a couple times in a different city, just seeing teams I don't have, like I did, you know, went to uh, like a Dodgers-Giants game, just to go check out a yeah. ball game. And uh, it's great. It's a great experience. Well, that's what tonight reminded me, that we, you know, we've been talking about, and you were just talking about the fan base. Yeah. When, when, uh, when I came on, you were talking about the fan bases and how we're tired of the fan base. And that's what it is. The daily grind of, of listening to the fans complain or feel entitled that this team should, should be doing something for them, it wears you down. And you forget, like, why you became a baseball fan in the first place. So I'm removed from that right now. I went to a great ballpark. It was a beautiful night. It was cold, but it was a beautiful night. The fans were, were into it. And like it, I, I was reminded of why baseball is so great and how all of that other noise just kind of pollutes it, you yep. know, and, and, and why, like, why, why do you have to complain about every little thing? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer. I'm not I, asking you. Right. It's rhetorical. But I, I don't have the answer to that. And I've been thinking about it a lot myself and we've had, Plenty of times, you and I, on this show, where we've stepped back and said enough of sort of ripping apart everything that the team does, or what. I mean, we're not those guys anyway, you know. And and, and look, I I understand that people are frustrated. I'm not. I am not saying you can't be frustrated with. Uh, I mean, look at us. We've ranted and raved ad nauseum. Recently. Noisium. <laughs> ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. <laughs> That's the Brooklyn version of the Latin ad nauseum. Right. Ad nauseum. You've been ranting ad nauseum. So I'm not saying that you can't do that. You make totally, a noise. Totally get it. Yeah. But it doesn't need to be the prevailing... Like today, the Mets won. Yeah. They beat the Cardinals. They sure won did. three out of four from the Cardinals. Yep. That's a big accomplishment. If it, nobody ever, nobody would have thought, other than Rich Catino, <laughs> that the Mets would have gone twelve and ten in these first twenty-two games. Yeah, we certainly any didn't. Met, no, no. Any Met, we thought it was going to be a disaster. But any Met fan you would have talked to would have said the same thing. So now, fast forward three weeks, they're twelve and ten after this murderous stretch of the schedule to start the season. Be happy. Take it. Understand that the team is flawed. They still need to. They still need to improve in a lot of areas. But be happy. You 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 tweeted it out earlier today. You take a Met win, and them playing well any day. Any day. Regard, regardless of what improvements they need to make. Them winning beats the hell on. out of them losing. Spot on, Steve. Well, and and, and let's talk about this team a little bit, and then I, I want to get to the Yankees as well. Uh, and this baseball season is developing very, in a very interesting fashion, Cal. I mean, if you, have you taken a look at the batting averages around Major League Baseball for teams so far? Low. I mean, they can't hit. You watch this, this Reds, or this uh, Cardinals-Mets series right now, and both these teams are like, first one to three wins. That's what it was like. You know, I mean, they, they're just, the offenses are, what do you, what, 
what do you think that is, Brian? What do you what would you attribute to? You have the you have this weird um, sort of uh, divergent divergent is not the right word, but it's almost ironic the situation with pitchers right now and with the hitting in Major League Baseball. Do you know what I mean? There's a, there's another Tommy John surgery every day. There's another young pitcher succumbing to the UCL and needing Tommy John surgery every day. At least one, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Ivan Nova for the Yankees is the most recent. On the heels of Josh Johnson the day before. Josh Johnson the day before. It's literally every day. So these young pitchers are falling <laughs> every day. And yet, hitting is... I mean, batting averages are at an all-time low. The Mets had... Coming into today, had like 12 home runs in the first 20 games, or 22 games, or whatever it was. You know, and the Cardinals had 12 home runs in their first 20 games, 23 games. I mean, it, it's it's not just the averages. Like, you, you had a guy like Matt Carpenter who came into the Mets series with like he had like 14 hits, and like 13 of them were singles. Like, guys are just not hitting right now, not hitting league wide. You know, my first instinct is to say that it's the weather, and not right, in a, right, not right. not in a silly Al Gore way, that that's why this is happening. <laughs> because we don't talk politics on this show. And also, he invented the internet. So he did, and we, baseball. We do owe him that. No, I, if early in the season it's cold, and you would. Think You're thinking of Bobby Valentine, by the way. Is oh, it Bobby, carbon Bobby, emissions? <laughs> That's it. That's it. Is it methane? <laughs> you're, you're, Cal is an ERA denier. I thought Bobby Valentine invented the internet. I had that backwards. You had that mixed up. Okay. No, 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 no. Al Gore invented baseball. Bobby right. Valentine invented the car. Right. Tony La Russa invented the internet. And Tim, and Tim McCarver invented, invented the rap. Invented the rap sandwich. That's correct. Right. No, that Bobby Valentine does claim that he invented the rap sandwich. And then out of and out of all and he might have, by the way, because I had I had my first rap sandwich in 1997, July Fourth weekend in Cape Cod, and nobody was doing the rap. It was revolutionary. We went to this one little sandwich shop in Cape Cod. 38 times over a five-day weekend. You know, like a, a four-day period, yeah. I, ha- I had 27 wrap sandwiches. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was absolutely revolutionary. I'll never forget it. I was, I went, my, a buddy of mine had a house up there, uh, and his, this was post-college, so a bunch of us got together, drove up to Cape Cod for the 4th of July. He's like, oh, you got to check out this little sandwich shop, you know, over by uh, where we have the house. And the guy's like, uh, this is a wrap sandwich. I said, listen, sir. I don't know what kind of voodoo you practice in the sandwich shop. I'm going to need a hero immediately. My last name is San Pietro. I want a hero. I want lettuce, tomato, oil, vinegar, salt, and pepper. Stop playing around. He wrapped it up, and they they wrapped everything up. Any sandwich you wanted. Give me an Italian. I'm going to wrap it. In a wrap. What what is that, sir? It's a tortilla. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know who you are or what kind of 
what kind of strange black magic you're do- and then you take one bite and you're in. Bobby Valentine. It was it was amazing. Bobby Valentine was there with a mustache on. Well, in the corner, lurking, he, in, the, lurking in the corner with a mustache on. Like peering over to make sure you like it. That's right. So. So uh, anyway. Anyway. Getting back to back to the weather. Well, yeah, getting back to the weather as me, you know, perhaps being a cause, but there are teams that play in you know warm weather in domes. I mean, no, teams I are, know. they're just not hitting, Bry. I mean, I'm looking I'm looking around the league tonight. Baltimore put up 11 runs. Minnesota put up nine. The Yankees put up 13. So Oakland put up eight. So, I mean, teams are scoring. Okay, they had a breakout night tonight, just to prove me wrong. Great. But you're, No, no, no. Great you're, job. You are right. Your, your point is salient. Thank you. Oh, thank you. If nothing else. The Astros are hitting 199 as a team. Seattle, 222. Boston Red Sox, 242. Tampa Bay Rays, 244. Cleveland Indians, 245. What's the league average? 250. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 that's low, Cal. That's very low. You it'll, know, co- it'll correct itself. The Kansas, not, City not Royals, about. the Kansas City Royals have only hit nine home runs in 20 games. Now, conversely, Chachi. Mm-hmm. Let's go look at the ERA. I know it's an antiquated stat. Yeah, no. Give me something with VORP in it. The uh, average ERA in the American League is 3.98. It's under 4. And there are... I mean, that's... That's impressive. That's, I, I, I just... I, I find it interesting right now that we have a pitcher going down literally every day needing Tommy John surgery and, like, big-time pitchers. And the hitting will come around, sure, but I think it it's has down. to. I think I think I don't think it's. I think it's a little weird that it's down. Like watching the Mets and the Cardinals in this four-game series, offensively, was troublesome. Now Wainwright pitched great, and well, you, you know. yeah, you, well, we're talking about the weather. They had a, a crazy wind night last night too. No, I know, but uh, that was that was unusual. Michael Walker could have struck out twenty twenty-two guys. He could have yesterday, Cal. If he could, if he could have just kept the ball in the zone and kept from walking five guys, he he definitely could have struck out twenty guys. I mean, I don't, the, the Mets are striking out at, at an alarming rate, at a record-setting pace. Yes, it's it's a little ridiculous. It's a little ridiculous. But anyway, getting to the, let's talk about the Mets specifically and talk about them on the field. There's a couple things that I have pulled from uh, the last week or so of games. That I've really enjoyed. One of the and one of the biggest one is Travis Darno, and I feel like he really, from a from a hitting aspect, he shortened up his swing a little bit. He's definitely having better at bats. He's hit a lot of atom balls, Cal. I feel like he's got a much better idea at the plate. He looked lost. I'm not going to say he didn't, um, you know, for a good number of games, but he definitely, right? He's definitely pulled it together. He's, he's hitting balls harder. He's having better at bats, and I think it's translating to his defense. Look, he's a very good defensive catcher. He's a far, he's a far better defensive catcher than we were led to believe. He hasn't been a very good defensive catcher thus far. No, but Cal, I'm not talking about stuff like throwing guys out. That's not. Um, neither I mean. am I. Framing pitches wise, he's one of the best I've seen in a long time. 
Uh, not Did you say ever. ever? No, not ever. But he's stealing ten to. You want to say ever? No. Gary Carter was the best I ever saw yeah, at, no. at doing One that. Of. Mike Fitzgerald was very, very good at doing that, um, at framing pitches. Um, he's very, very good, though, Cal. He steals 10, 12 strikes a game. He does. That sounds like a lot. Um, it's, he's, I bet you he's stealing one or two an inning for certain guys. Mm. Absolutely. He's gaining more confidence, and he, he's throwing the ball well. He threw a guy out the other night. He's throwing the ball okay. He made a tag in the game last night that saved the game. You know what I don't like? I don't – well, that was, that was a phenomenal play. What I don't like are the number of – you know, a lot of, a lot of them are wild pitches, but he's, he lets a lot of balls get past him. A lot. I think he's, he's going to start to cut down on that. You're right. Defend, defend that. <laughs> Go ahead. Fraternity boy. I, um, it's the fraternity of catchers? Yes, that's, what I'm, that's where I was going. I, ca- I can't defend that necessarily just yet. Um, I think the alarming ones are not the balls in the dirt. I don't think he loses balls in the dirt a lot. I think it, I've, I've seen pretty, uh, pretty, what's the word, standard technique for him for balls in the dirt. Mm-hmm. He, hasn't, he hasn't distinguished himself. He hasn't, no, it's, it's you know, one way or the other. It's, it's the, the one ball, where he seems to get caught up on with, with the, the ball over his head. Um, or the ball, you know, up in a way that he doesn't reach. Um, but I think those are miscoms with the miscoms because we we're really short on time tonight. I think um, those are miscommunications with the pitchers. I really do. Look, he, he struggled early, but it's early. It's his first real shot. I mean, he, he played last year, but... That was just he dipped his toe in the water last year. This is his this is his job. This is his thing right now, and it's the first twenty games, so it's not like we're going to throw him out yeah. right now. Okay, he's going to struggle, and we're going to have to take some of the struggles because they're not going to play Anthony Wrecker at his expense. Well, and nor should they. And nor should they. I mean, this is a time to find out what Travis Darno is, and he's not keeping you from being a championship team. And quite frankly. He's, you know, I'm looking at his numbers, Cal. He only has 10 strikeouts in 65 plate appearances. You know, it seems like a ton more. He's only struck out 10 times in 65 plate appearances with two automatic outs behind him. He's got two automatic outs behind him. He's got Ruben Tejada and the pitcher behind him. On a good night, he has Omar Quintanilla behind him. That's a good night for him. So he's, you know, it's not like he's seeing a ton of fastballs. Your original point about him, though, is is correct. He's he's gaining more confidence and he's starting to turn it around, and he's he's coming around sooner than I expected. It's it's it's. I feel like it's going to come for him, and I feel like he's going to be able to hit. He's certainly catching with more confidence, and I pointed this out to you last night, and I think it's a big deal, Bry, when you do. The Carter, the Gary Carter, after a good pitch, or after a pitcher puts the ball in a spot you asked for, like an 0-2 fastball that's in a guy's eyes. And it's not the swing and the miss pitch. It's the 0-2 fastball up in the guy's eyes, or it's the change up down and away. Down by the bee's knees. Down, certainly the bee's knees. Up in the guy's eyes, down, down by, by the bee's, bee's knees. knees. And, and he's given the fist pump back to the 
you know, to the pitcher and saying good spot and gaining confidence with all of his staff. That's a big difference. He didn't do that the first two, three weeks. Let me ask you this question. Please. Okay. Um, the Mets are 12 and 10. Why, what's the predominant – I'm setting you up here. What's the predominant reason that the Mets are 12 and 10 right Starting now? pitching. Starting pitching. Yes. Do you think that that has anything at all to do with the fact that the catcher is calling some good games? Absolutely. Has to, right? Absolutely. I, you, you, don't hear any, you don't hear anything about that. All you hear is the Mets are pitching great. And you don't hear Darno getting any credit for that, but he has to get some credit. These guys have, and these guys have raved about his skills behind the plate. They've raved about him. And these are veteran guys that have pitched to a lot of catchers. They're, they're, there's a nice mix, too. There's young guys there. You know, I watched him catch Dylan G the other night. That was delightful. Working inside, outside, utilizing, you know, calling a really good game in sync, uh, you know, in big spots and stuff. And that's going to come. It's going to take time. But I've just been so pleased with how he's coming along. I know he hasn't hit enough yet, but he will. And I envision this guy as a two-hitter on this team. I really yeah. do. I don't, I don't see oh, that. Oh, I think he's going to be a two-hitter. Absolutely. I think he's going to be a two-hitter that sprays the ball. From gap to gap, I'm not talking this year, Brian, but I'm talking going forward. I want to see him hitting two, Dom Smith hitting three. I, I'm t- Cal, he's going to be a good on-base percentage guy, Cal. Well, he is. He is. I just I see him more as a five or six hitter that's going to hit a lot of doubles and drive those guys in. See, I'd rather see him doing that from the two-hole, though. Why not from the two-hole there, Brian? Because he's, he's not going to hit more than 15, 18 home runs. He's not. No, he's not going to be a home run hitter, but he's, he's going to hit a lot of doubles. I would, I would love that in the two-hole, especially if he had a true leadoff hitter. I, I just I, I can see him as a two-hitter. I really could. But if, you know, if he winds up being a five or a six, I'd be happy to. The poor guy. I mean, he's, he's, managed, he's managed to get seven walks in 65 plate appearances with no one hitting behind him, literally no one. So anyway, that's one thing I'm extraordinarily pleased with. And then... And I, I have to say it. And then I, I really, I just, the bullpen has been good, Bri. It's been really good. It's been really good. There's a big but in there. Yeah, it's not going to be. Why? Because it's, I see, I don't think the starting pitching is smoke and mirrors at all. I think the starting pitching is good. We knew it would be good. It has a chance to be excellent. And it has three arms, or at least two, <clears throat> that could join it at some point that make it elite without Matt Harvey. This year, I'm talking. You could have Noah Syndergaard and Rafael Montero join that, that rotation at some point, if needed. Uh, and they should anyway, just to get some experience and pitch on the major league level. Well, that could make it exceptional. Yeah. They'll be so rookies, so you, can't, you don't want to yeah. set the expectations too high for them. Absolutely, but the starting pitching has been... Fantastic, and it, I'm not surprised that Jonathan Neese has been very, very good. Dylan I'm, G. I'm surprised been, at Neese. I'm surprised he's still healthy. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised his arm hasn't fallen off. And then I'm surprised at how well he's pitching. You know, Bartolo Colon came out and threw a gem today after you know getting destroyed his last outing. So you know, I'd like to, I'd like, I would like to see Wheeler mature a little bit more because Wheeler still gets bugged by losing his focus. Yep. In the fifth or sixth inning, yep. or one inning of the, uh, during the game. Yep. 
he's got to learn that. And as soon as he does, I think he takes the leap. But this the starting pitching is not surprising, is it? It's not. Um, the, them being this good is surprising. Okay, but it's also early in the season. They've played teams that are struggling offensively as well, like the Diamondbacks, like the Cardinals. They they so it's it's both. They are good, and they've also faced some struggling competition. The Cardinals team that you just saw for four games will likely not be the one that they see in August or whatever. Of course, probably won't be the same Mets team either. But I hope not. Right. There's tinkering to do, no doubt. But the bullpen is smoke and mirrors. Um, I'm waiting. Come on. It's Kyle Farnsworth and guys like Jose Valverde. I mean, they had to get a ridiculously unbelievable tag from Travis Darno to keep that game tied or from being tied yesterday. You had Dice K closing today. Why am I comfortable with Dice K as a closer? Because of the alternatives. Now? That's not it. Then I don't know. (laughs) You got nothing for me there? That's the only thing I had. I don't know if it's mentality or a second career for him. Like, fine, look, he pitched very well in spring training. He was pitching very well in AAA. Is it that I'm thinking he could have a second career as a closer? Because he's got stuff that translates for one inning? Could be. I don't know. And he, he seems disciplined to me. He doesn't seem like he gets rattled. Mm-hmm. I don't... I don't know. I would. Yeah, well, I would be. I, can, I would be trying him there immediately. I think. Think what you're seeing is. You've seen a career of Valverde, and you've seen a career of Farnsworth, and you know what they are. And it's not pretty. No. And you don't. And you don't know what Dice K is. The bridge to nowhere. <laughs> Farnsworth, Farnsworth to Valverde, or Valverde to Farnsworth. You don't know what Dice K is as a closer, and it's intriguing because you know what's there. It is. It is. It's intriguing to me. And he and he got the save today. Yes, he did. And Terry Collins promptly reminded everybody that Farnsworth is still the closer because he's but, a bit of a nitwit. But not to be surprised if Dice K gets a couple more opportunities. He just he Terry Collins just needs to stop talking. Yes. He can't stop. He is, it's, it's, I don't know, Steve. It's like he was transported out of 1968 (laughs) into present day society. And he was like 65 years old back then. Right. (laughs) It's it's too much, you know? What's, um, what are, what are the pitching matchups for this weekend? Do they see Jose Fernandez? They don't. They miss him. They miss him. Yeah. Um, he's good. One, he's, he's very good, but let's... He's, uh, uh, he's solid. Let's slow down. Did you see his exhibit in the Hall of Fame yet or no? I did. I, did. I can't wait to see his plaque right next to Kerry Woods and Mark Pryor's. It's just a, it, it's just a kid. It's in between <laughs> Strasburg's uh, statue right. that they built. Right. And the, Bryce and, Har- uh, and the Bryce Harper monument. It's a bust of Bryce Harper. Oh, it's a bust. All right. I, I want to go back real quick on the bullpen because there's one point that I wanted to make, and it involves our our, sure. our, our favorite 
old school manager. <laughs> Terry managed Terry Collins over managing theater. Presents how to wear Present. out your bullpen in three easy uh, steps. How to how to, how to wear out your most effective reliever. Carlos Torres. Step one: pitch him every single day. Step two. Step two: he's make, worn out. Make him more. No, no, no. You you missed step one. The true okay. step one is warm him up oh, every him day. Up. Regardless of if you're going to use him or not. So make him warm up every day. Whether you're going to use him or not. Right. So he throws at least 30 to 40 pitches in the bullpen before he even enters the game. Now he enters the game. He has his eight warm-up pitches before he pitches. So then, you're at 48. Then use him every day. Then he throws another 25 pitches. <laughs> That's right. So now you're at 70. You're at 75 pitches a night. That's right. A night. And then you're going to be shocked in the middle of May when he stops can't, being effective. Can't understand it. I don't. He's yeah, been I, so good for us. It's ridiculous. It's just, it's, it's just it's alarming. Bad. Because, it's bad. Because he's been so good. It's Tory-esque. Somewhere Scott Proctor is saying, look, I've seen this movie. I can, <laughs> he calls up Carlos Torres like, I can tell you how this ends. And it does not end well for you. And his arm is in a sling as he's on the phone with right. Three years later. That three guy, years after pitching a game. That guy in the mask is Terry Collins. No, uh, he, uh, he's, he's got to stop. He's got to stop. Somebody needs to tackle him. It's just, it's just further, it just lends further credence to the fact that he's not the right man to be managing this team right now. No. He's not. He's been snippy in press conferences, too, hasn't he? He sure has. He's been real snippy. Yeah. Like, you know, I've seen more Japanese. I know more about Japanese pitchers than just about anybody in this league and definitely more than anybody in this room. Whoa, whoa. TC, let's, all I said was, wait, he pitched him like 130 pitches back-to-back days. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Because that's another thing. He has to get Daisuke up every day. Every day. Get him up. Well, Terry, are you going to use him? I don't know. Get him up. Let me ask you a question. Where do you see this team going at this point? Their their schedule lightens up a little bit. They get the next next nine games are against the Marlins, the Phillies, the Rockies. Doesn't – you know what? I don't – we're going to talk about the NFL schedule in a couple of minutes because I really want to talk to you about it. Keith Oberman last night on his show, which is very good. I don't care what anybody says. It's really good. Well, what, what are people saying? You know, he gets ripped on a lot, Oberman, and he's good. And the show is good. He inspires very polarizing re- re- uh, reactions out of people. I get that. But I think it's good. I think he's talented. I think he... He's passionate about sports. I think he's a wise-ass, sure, but he's got some great points. On a nightly basis, he's bringing up things that I didn't think about. And he brought up one with the NFL schedule yesterday. Okay, we'll get to that. That I wanted to talk to you about. But I don't buy the schedule stuff with baseball. Why not? Because every team... Just about every team, yeah, the Marlins are not a good team. But the Marlins, like, lost nine in a row and then won eight in a row. Like, 
And they have Jose Fernandez. Granted, you don't face him. But every team has like one or two pitchers that are going to at least be tough for a, for a Mets team. For that Met lineup, everybody they face has at least one or two pitchers that's going to give them a problem. So, I'll buy that. <clears throat> like you, well, they have the Marlins and the Phillies. Well, how have they done against Cliff Lee? You know, how have they fared against Cole Hamels? Not bad, actually. But, you know, like every team has that. Like the Marlins have Evaldi or whatever. He could shut out the Mets easily. They miss him, too. I know. But, um, you know, you get my point. <laughs> I do. Yeah, no, I just... Shut up. <laughs> Alvarez, Slowey, and Kohler. Right, and you're telling me that, that Kevin Slowey can't throw a five-hit, seven-inning gem against them? You Please tell me that when you hear the name Kevin Slowey, yes. you think he throws like a little leaguer. Yes, of course. You just assume... Of course. I don't. I don't think he just throws like a little leaguer. I envision a little leaguer. Like right. everything he everything he does is just really deliberate and methodical. And it's leave. like little. I, mm. I I I envision little big league. Like he's actually a thirteen year old boy. Like a really baggy uniform. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ill fitting. Ridiculous. Down by his side. <laughs> yes. I uh, of course I do. Kevin Slowey. Eh, will always be that. But you're t- this, this offense isn't good enough to look forward to the schedule. Yeah, I know, I know. So you're not, so you're not buying right now. You're still not buying. It's not a matter. Of, I, I am, I am buying as much as I was a week ago. In that. So three out of four from the Cardinals didn't I'm change. Just, I know. I'm just enjoying it. I'm watching it or listening to it. I'm watching it with an open mind. Well, that's fine. The other night when they came back against the Braves, and we were watching that game, and of course. Who made the last? Oh, actually, Darno made the last out. It would have been a base hit if anybody else was playing shortstop. Uh, and it was a nice comeback against. They ran Craig Kimbrell. I'm enjoying oh, the game. I turned off. Correct. I'm enjoying this. Good. I'm not. I'm not loving it. They're difficult to watch at times. The offense is so bad. But I'm right where I was. I'm rooting for them every day. I hope they win. I'm disappointed when they lose. I'm not at a point where I've accepted losing, and I'm not at a point where I expect to win. How's that? So nothing has changed for you? Yes. No, yes. Some, I, I will say a few things have changed. Okay. And that is the bullpen has surprised me with its being remotely effective. That has changed. I have a little more respect for those for the guys in that bullpen. A couple of them. Okay. And I can't wait till Jacob Degrom is the closer for the team. How's that? Well, then you better keep on waiting. Don't hold your breath. Okay, uh, let's not while uh, old Hoss Collins is uh, running the show. <laughs> Got to earn your stripes. Can't put a kid out there. What do you think Terry is short for? Is it short for like Mordecai? Cornelius. Right, like Terry's the, his nickname. His real name is uh, is you know uh, Elmer. El, old Elmer Collins. They call him Terry. 
I think that's the nickname he adopted just to make it seem like he's from this century. Terry. Like his his, his real name's definitely Elmer. It's like yeah, it's like Mordecai Clark, and then in parentheses Terry Collins, <laughs> and he just goes by Terry. Mordecai Clark. <laughs> Collins. Collins, right. <laughs> um, the, just the Pineda thing. Yeah. Really quick. Really funny. Just ridiculous. You, my big takeaway from it, though, may I? Unless Please. you had something. No, no, not at all. Please. Uh, my big takeaway was, was, I mean, they didn't just throw him under the Yankee bus. They backed it up and ran over him again. Did you get and him? And again. <laughs> and then again. Did you get him? Unbelievable. I mean, they, they couldn't distance themselves from this guy fast enough last night. Somebody brought up a good point, too, and I, I forgot where I I think I saw it on Twitter. Now, the Yankees didn't even send out a translator for this poor kid. He can't really speak English that well. I don't know if you... I don't, he's, getting, did you, he's getting run from the game. The umpire is throwing him out of the game. He doesn't even understand what's going on. They didn't even send out somebody to translate. Did you see his his uh, press not a press conference, but they interviewed him after the game. Did you see any of that? No. He, he I, I, I felt bad for him. It was so dumb what he did. Yes. But I felt like he was just like, it was almost like they put him up on a platform in the middle of the clubhouse in his underwear. <laughs> and the rest of the team left. Right. And he had to just, he had to just field all of and he doesn't in English is not his first language. And he had to field all of these questions. Was, they were hazing him. They were, it was like he was being hazed. The umpire comes out to the mound, he's like, Okay. Okay. It was it was crazy. it was just crazy how how quick like Yeah. I don't know. Well, because I, it's, you because don't have to ask him, I didn't know nothing about it. And because it's stupid. How stupid could you be? It was stupid. It's just dopey. It was it's stupid. really what do you, dopey. What do you think of? Because then there was a lot of a lot of chatter today about. Well, maybe they should legalize it. Where do you stand on the legalization of pine tar? <laughs> there was a great, I guess, Joe Madden and he's the manager for the Mariners. I don't know who that is. They did like a apparently. I guess I saw DJ Short tweet about it that they did a. Like a conversation back and forth about the legalization of pine tar, uh-huh. but it was like akin to like the legalization of marijuana. Right, right. And so they were like pro and con, and they did like a a mock back and forth about it. Point counterpoint. Yeah, I I. It's a slippery slope. Well, not really. It's pine tar. Wow. Has it uh, has it come to this? Where's the slide whistle? That uh, I walked right into that one, didn't I? Oh, that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> magnificent. That was not bad. That was magnificent. It's a uh, a dangerous tract of land that you could fall down uh, in a tubular fashion <laughs> with water. You could slide. Um, because well, what if somebody figures out how to 
make pine tar uh, use pine tar to make the ball do stuff. Like you don't think a major league baseball player is going to take advantage of this? These guys, uh, these guys have reinvented PEDs as we know them. Alex Rod- Alex Rodriguez had gummy steroids. You don't think they're going to figure out a way to make pine tar cheating? I feel like they already have. Yeah. And Pineda, Pineda just wasn't let in on it. Right. What do you wait? Nobody. I'm sorry. I had it on my wrist during the last game. Nobody said anything. It's like Michael. Everybody said something. Literally everybody. Like, how did you not know this? Do they not have Twitter in Spanish? Because he had his headphones on. That's right. He had his he had his Beats by Dre on. He had no idea. <laughs> um, the Yankees are doing a good job, though, Cal. They sent your boy down, though. Did you see that? Oh. Dean Anna. <laughs> they sent your guy down, Dean Anna. Ah, oh, rat. Ah, fooey. I um I want to talk about the NFL schedule and I want to ask you about what Overman uh, suggested last night on his show. Because right, I didn't hear him. No, he it was during his open and he you know he does a monologue-y thing uh, sometimes and sometimes it's a story of the day. Sometimes he goes right into highlights and then other times he has sort of like an op-ed that kicks off the show. And it was basically about how the schedule which is supposed to be balanced, is not even close to balanced in the NFL anymore. And the way that they do it is not... He just called into question the way that they design strength of schedule for certain teams. Well, the thing thing with the NFL schedule is that it's pretty much set based on how you finish the year before. But it's not though. It's not. See, that's what that's the that's the that's what he was pointing out as a misconception. It's, how is it not? It's because two reasons. One, yes, you play you play a different division uh, in the other conference every 4 years, right? But what he, what his point was, the talent doesn't make its way all the way around in four years. The average career expectancy for an NFL player is three years. So you're not playing the same team four years later. And so, and it just, you had to listen to him do it. But, but the general point was like, there's no way going into this season, the Raiders should have the most difficult schedule in the NFL. Like there's no way that that should happen. Who do they play in the NFC this year? They play the NFC. Uh, let me let me bring it up. They his point was there's a way to make the schedule balanced. They're not doing it. It's just that or more, just, or more balanced. So in the in the Raiders' case, it's like poor luck of the draw that they probably drew the strongest NFC conference this year. Well, like the Colts, the Colts have the easiest schedule. You know, and there was like a statistic like teams that have had the easiest schedule have like the Patriots, the Broncos, the 
the Seahawks had like the second easiest schedule last year, or the Broncos had the easiest schedule last year. The Patriots had the second easiest schedule, you know, three years in a row or something, you know. And well, wait some, a minute. some of that has to do with their own division, certainly. When you say easiest schedule, are you talking about strength of schedule? You're strength talking schedule. about you're strength talking about how the teams that they play finished last year. That's correct. All right. That's that's misleading too, because take a team like well, take the Giants, for example. The Giants finished six and ten last year. Yeah. They're not a six and ten team this year. How do you know? I don't know. But if you look at the team, if you look at the players that they've added to the team, yeah, okay. How do you know? Okay. They weren't supposed to be a six and ten team last year. All right. No, I'm <laughs> My we're, point. They were not supposed to be a six and ten team last year. My point is simply this: a kiss is just a kiss. I think that if you're using last year's record. It's a bit misleading because last year's record was accomplished by a team that in many cases is not the same team that you will play this year. I get that. That's not – That's I understand that. That's not the – that's not the issue. I get that's what you're – That's my issue. Right. I get what you're saying. He addressed that. I'm just not doing it well. Okay. The other thing is the other thing is too is when they schedule and where they schedule the games. Right. So in other words, you give the Raiders uh, the most difficult schedule and you have them go to the East Coast four times in the, for, and and London four times out of the first six weeks. So like they have the most difficult strength of schedule and then you make them travel to the East Coast where they're awful. Four out of the first six weeks. How do they? How do they determine that? Right. That. That's what I'm saying. Like. No, I'm asking you. How do they determine like when they slot these games in? They make the schedule. I don't know. Okay. No, you had said earlier that you that there. Keith Olbermann was talking about the way that they design the schedule. I thought maybe you knew how they design the schedule. No. Or what what factors were involved in. They're not telling. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. They're it's not, not like, telling those those people. It's not like in base. Remember in baseball, it was this it was this husband and wife couple from somewhere in Midwest yeah. that did it all by hand for like thirty years. Yeah, I do. Just until recently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There, here's the schedule grid. I just brought up the 2014 schedule grid. Right? Okay. Yeah. This is Oakland's schedule, and 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 again, this is so they are at the Jets. Home to Houston, at loss. New England. That's a loss. Home to Miami. Might be a win. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's in London. Chris will be a win. So they're traveling. One they're traveling to, my, uh, to New England and then to London to play Miami. They have, then they have a bye. That was nice of them. Home to San Diego, home to Arizona, at Cleveland, at Seattle, home to Denver, at San Diego home to Kansas City, at St. Louis, home to San Francisco, at Kansas City, home to Buffalo, home to, and at Denver. All right, so they have the misfortune of the other three teams in their division are very good, so that's six games right there, and the four teams in the NFC West are good. Correct. So that's ten, that's ten games. Right. 
His 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 point was you shouldn't play the other you shouldn't do the conference thing that way. In other words, you shouldn't play the NFC West every four years. You, you should sh- you should choose teams from the NFC West the same way you choose the teams they play in the AFC by record. So the so okay. Right? That's how you play the other teams in the AFC. If you're the Raiders you finished whatever your record was. You play a couple teams out of your division in the AFC. It's based on their record. Why couldn't they just play the four last place teams and they, make that and make that your NFC? Absolutely, absolutely. Right? That's well, by that's by record. Well, the re- yeah, the reason why they can't do that is that you could play the same teams every year. You, there may be situations where you never play some teams in the NFC. But the point is but the point is you're going to get better. The idea is you're going to get better. And the idea is that's balanced. But are you? Yes, because are, really? Yes, because of turnover. How how when, how are the how are the Raiders going to get better if they have to play the NFC West and then next year they'll play the NFC East and the, and and the the, the divisions change. It's not balanced. That's not a balanced schedule. If you want to do the schedule, continue to do the schedule that way, don't call it balanced. A balanced schedule would be playing everybody in the AFC and not playing the NFC. And then having the 16th, and he suggested this, having the 16th week be the first week of the playoffs. Huh? Play everybody in your own conference. You don't play the other conference. And then adding a week of playoffs. You want to add two teams anyway. No. That would, be, that would be a balanced schedule. Don't get me started on that. Because then you'd play everybody in your conference once. You would play... So then you're not... So then you're taking away the divisional games then? You're playing everybody in your conference once. I hate that. Or you're playing everybody in your conference once, you make it a 17-week season, and you play everybody in your division twice. So that would be that would be eighteen games. That would be eighteen games. I'm sorry, eighteen game season. I, I understand the concept. I don't like it. The, the 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 one that I like is not playing the NFC South every four years. I like playing. If you're playing the NFC, play the four teams that have the same record as you. Or we're finished in the same spot. Exactly. Same way you do it for the AFC. That's yeah, a that balanced could, schedule. That could work. Because in this example with the Raiders, they can't do anything about this. The Raiders are awful, and they're going to be awful again. They can't do anything about this. They can't help the Raiders with the schedule. You know, it's just... And the Colts have the easiest schedule. I know, I know. Teams differ from year to year, blah, blah, blah. The Colts still have the easiest schedule. That was so dismissive. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean it to be. I know, I know. It's a good point. Anyway, the Jets' schedule came out, the Giants' schedule came out. Two notable things. One, for the Giants. That stretch, after their bye, is rough. Let's let's bring that up. So they have, they're at Philly, at Dallas, then they have the bye. Then they're home to Indy, at Seattle, 
home to San Francisco, home to Dallas. That's before the bye? This is, they play at Philly, at Dallas. They get a bye. Then they're home to Indy, at Seattle, home to San Francisco, home to Dallas. Oh, their bye is early. Their bye is week eight. Oh. So that's what I'm saying. They have... <laughs> I'm, I'm not following. Hold on. That's a rough stretch is all I'm saying. To the middle of the season, that stretch. That's a crazy stretch. That's a six-game stretch with the bye mixed in where you're at Philly, at Dallas, bye, home to Indianapolis, at Seattle, home to San Francisco, home to Dallas. So here's an interesting little wrinkle. That's rough. They play the Hall of Fame game this year against the Bills. Yes. That's an additional preseason game. Did you know that? They play five? Yeah. Right. That's kind of strange. I never, I never thought of that. I wonder, I wonder if Josh Freeman starts that game for them. Because of Eli's ankle. Eli's going to be healthy. Yeah, we'll see. So they, okay, so they open, up, they open up at Detroit. That's what, and that's, what an odd way to kick On a Monday up. night. At Detroit. On a, on a Thursday night? No. They play Detroit on Monday night. The Thursday night game is Green Bay at Seattle, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah, Monday night. Don't forget, there's two Monday night games first week of the season. Remember they, they do the doubleheader? Yeah. No, I forgot. Right. The Jets' interesting part of their schedule is this, oh, gotta... this supposed murderer's row of quarterbacks they face in weeks two through seven. So, they open with Oakland at home, the aforementioned Oakland Raiders. Then they go um, at Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, home to Chicago, Jay Cutler, home to Detroit, uh, Matthew Stafford, at San Diego, Phillip Rivers, home to Denver, Peyton Manning, at New England, Tom Brady. And my question to the Rich Saminis of the world who said basically now they have no chance to win those games because they didn't do anything for their secondary is, hmm, don't we still get to rush the quarterback? Or no? Are we just going to play 11 DBs and just roll the dice? Or are we going to maybe let Mo Wilkerson and Sheldon Richardson and Snacks Harrison and and Quinton Copels and Antoine Barnes will now be healthy. Are we going to let them go after these quarterbacks? You know, because a good defensive line can make up for a lot of deficiencies in the secondary. Ask the Giants. They won two Super Bowls that way. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. But that is an interesting stretch. Cal, the draft is two weeks from tonight. Yes. We, uh, we're putting something together. I don't know if you heard. I heard rumblings. Us and Joe Caparoso and the boys from Turn on the Jets are putting together a co-podcast for that evening. An NFL Draft-A-Palooza-Thon Festival of Lights uh, Ganza. Is it a true story? Part two. It is a true story. It's the story of Hanukkah and the NFL Draft. Um, for that Thursday night live from a location, we're working on that, uh, with all the writers from Turn on the Jets, us, 
live podcast, watching the draft, drinking some beers, hanging out, a bunch of people there, like a basically a turn on the Jets RTU draft party. Come on down, watch us be disappointed. We'll let you know where. We'll let you know where. So we'll don't don't just don't come yet. <laughs> That's right. You don't know where you're going. That's correct. We're working on the locale, but no, it's um, it's 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 really coming together. I think we're going to live stream it uh, on the interwebs. We'll obviously do the uh, or video stream. I'm talking. We'll obviously do the live stream on Block Talk Radio. This might be like an eight to eleven thirty kind of deal, and we'll do the live stream from nine thirty to eleven, so we get the Jets traffic. We're looking to have uh, some Jet beat writers uh, either call in or be there. Some guests. Um, Hopefully it uh, it should be it should be pretty great. So we're working on it, working on it. No promises yet. Well, you're, shaking, you're shaking your head. You've kind of put it out there. I I put it out there. I said we're hoping to get. Oh okay. Go listen to the tapes, my friend. Check the tower logs. I don't have to. I check the you. tower logs. If that's what you said, I don't have to listen again. PJ, big donut, come in here. What did I say? Big dosant. Big dosant. Speaking of Big Dosant, let's do the fun load. You all but guaranteed a Rex Ryan walk-on just now. And stuff like that. Plus plus Don Rickles. Yes. And the Everly Brothers. <laughs> and the Everly Brothers. And the Everly Brothers. <laughs> the little Ruddles callback right there. Yes. I want to do a, a quick fun load tonight. And I want Cal to lead it. We still, we still, we need more time to talk about Yestercades. I'm not ready yet. But I want I want Cal to lead us and talk to us about the Dosant. Is Yestercades the arcade of the future or the past? That's my headline. Elf needs that's my food t- badly. That's my tease line. <sighs> Are Yesterkids killing your kids? What's for breakfast in Boston? Yes, Cal. Tell us about the Dosant. Uh, the Dosant is a croissant. Let me back it up. <laughs> the Dosant is a donut made out of a croissant. That's not possible. It's possible. I'm not sure we have that technology. It's more commonly known as the cronut, which was invented at a bakery in New York City recently. I thought that you was might a, have heard of. I thought that was a California thing. I don't think so. The cronut's a New York thing? I wish I could think of the name of the bakery. Um, they just they just said rats, actually. <laughs> the band? The, uh, yeah. Stephen Percy was there. Oh, Stephen I've Percy. got rat news. That was that was my final unload. I know. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> you wait. Wait, hold yeah, on. Hold on. Spill it don't, now. There's no, rat see, news. See, there is. That's PJ's final unload. You put the the emphasis on a weird syllable there. Final, <laughs> final unload. 
That's like when people. That's like when people call it ice cream. Ice cream. How do you say insurance? How do you say insurance? Depends on what part of the country you're from. I say insurance. Wait, well, what does insurance. Cal do for a living? <laughs> Getting back to how we kicked off the show, PJ and I, I have, PJ and I have decided you're either a spy or an insurance adjuster. Uh, I'm neither. Or a spy insurance adjuster. Working for working for one insurance company undercover. <laughs> the Dominique Ansel Bakery. That's what it was. Or, yes. or Bakery. Or Bakery. Bakery? The, um, that's where the cronut was invented. Your cronuts. How is the dosant? Does it compare to the cronut? Never had a cronut. Had a crumb nut. Did you see the doctor bump? about that? You know, one of our best friends is a urologist. Yeah, well, luckily, they, there's a salve for that. Right. A bomb. A bomb. A bomb. Um, the the dosant. There's so many names. The dosant is very good. Very good. It's flaky, yet dense. That's not possible. Like my I'm first girlfriend. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Anazette. I'm going to dance, Vinny. Now coming to the stage, Doissant. <laughs> Doissant. You know, she's French, a pretty... the, You got to do the French pronunciation. It's Doissant. <laughs> she's a pretty good dancer. She's flaky, but she's, you know, she's dense. I mean, when she gets to it. And she has, and she has sprinkles on. <laughs> well, I, I, I am excited. Are you bringing one of those home for the boys? I don't know. I think it's, I think that's part of the, uh, the conference. I don't think I can take them. It's not takeout. Did you get, did you, you don't know if you can expense that? 37 dosants. Um, they, hey, they just give them to you. Did you have a uh, a hot dog at the old Fenway? Yeah, I had a couple. Two Fenway Franks tonight. How were the Fenway Franks? Delicious. Really P- good. PJ, if you're going to a ball game, baseball game, what are you going to the concession stand for? Oh, I'm a big pretzel guy. Wait, wait, like any pretzels? Or are you, are you like big pretzels or you're a big pretzel guy? Any concert or sport venue that I visit, I inevitably get a pretzel that's about eight inches across if they have it. I'm the guy who points at the glass case and I'm like, no, not that one, not that one, that one. I the feel big one. I the big one. Like picking out your lobster. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like most sporting venues and arenas can, can accommodate your, your, your need for the big pretzel. I feel like it's a staple. I don't want to get. I don't want to get into specifics, like why not? Well, no, no. It's like because there's venue specific stuff. So like if I'm going to City Field, I'm going oh. to have like a Shake Shack burger or whatever. I'm talking generic. You know what they serve at Fenway? They uh, the championships. The vent. Victory. And Sam Adams. The, well, yes. 
is a it, lot of. Is it, do they have Sam Adams Victory Lager there? There's a lot. There's a lot of Sam Adams around here. Um, no, at, at Fenway they have vendors walking around selling clam chowder. No, they don't. They absolutely do, I and think, it was. Are you making things up? No, it was selling. It was selling like Hot clam chowder. chowder tonight. It was selling like doisong. Because it's cold. Sure. And, I, I was tempted, I'm telling you, it's cold and you're sitting there and the guy walks around with a thing of clam chowder. Chowder. And you're in Boston, you're not in like... That sounds not, awesome. Yeah, you're not... In Jersey. Yeah, you're, you're not in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, you go for it. You're not at the Jags game. So yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a Fenway specific. I had never seen That's, clam you know, chowder. Never seen that. You can, I think you can get... Well, maybe you can get it at City Field. They I'm sure you don't walk can, around. But yeah, they don't walk around with it. They don't have clam chowder vendors. Clam chowder here. Get your clam chowder. Hot dog, beer, clam chowder. Peach, if you're at a football game, are you getting the big pretzel, or does it change by sport? Well, I'll get other things, but I start with the pretzel. The first, the first trip, you know, it's like take everybody's order. Who wants a soda? Who wants a this? For me, big pretzel right in my lap. <laughs> there are certain Wait, in your lap. <laughs> it's just sitting there. I don't you get to keep the box. You? I have to hand the box to my kids. Oh, I, th- I would have. I would have thought you said right in in your in your in your mouth and in your belly. <laughs> well, I guess it rests across the legs. Is all I'm saying. Have you had it's a the big pretzel- pretzels, cow? Have you had the pretzel twist? In some in some locations, the braided. It's not a, yeah, it's not a pretzel yeah. proper. It's a long yeah. braided twist. I'm in My family's that. from uh, pretzel proper. Pretzel. I um. Pretzel people. They're they're school pretzel. I have very specific. If you're at a, uh, if I'm at a Met game, I'm going to be a dog guy. I'm t- again taking out the specialty restaurants. Mm-hmm. I have to have a hot dog and a beer. That's at a, a baseball game. Industry standard. I will also get peanuts at every baseball game I always go ever go to. Always. I may not even eat them. Just need to have them on hand. The smell. You need it. it it's the smell. The salt. Peanuts, I have gotten at just about every baseball game I've been. I may sometimes skip the hot dog and a beer because, let's face it, the chins are multiplying. I will get the bag of peanuts because that's good for you. Sure. They they toss them here at Fenway. They they throw them at you? Yeah, I like that. I like that too. That's old school. Yeah. You figure Roy Hobbs is at the plate when that's being tossed to you. Right. Hey, I got to go back to the pretzel real quick. How about the shopping cart pretzel? On your way out of the stadium. On your way out of the stadium. The shopping cart pretzel. Hey, look. I've done it. Okay. Uh, there, there, well, there, there, there's a, a, a variable for that. Am I with my wife? <laughs> if I'm answer with that, my wife, that then question no. First. <laughs> then I've had enough. Haven't you had enough? You've had enough. Let's just go to the car. If I'm with I'm my friends, talking. then there's one for the road. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty obvious, I think. 
you don't need this dirty, filthy shopping cart pretzel <laughs> and, <laughs> and guilt. Congratulations. Well, see, I, I usually get, do you really need that? Yeah. Put it right back that, on you. Yep. What are you trying to do? I feel like I do. Look, I'm keeping this man afloat. All he has is a shopping shopping cart with hot, red hot coals on the bottom of it. And so well, you've already draft. had six. Do you do you think you need seven before we go? I have trouble eating at a football game. Um, because I, I, I yeah yeah because of, no because of the bulk that I've consumed in the parking lot. Right. Before oh, the oh, game. oh the tailgate oh sure well that's yeah. sure. That's if better had, food anyway. If you've had seven pounds of sausage and peppers before you have, you get to gate A, you know, you're not really looking for a, a crappy Met Life dog. Where do you stand on all the newfangled options at the ballpark? So it's not just you can't get a hot dog, a pretzel, and a beer. Now you can get sushi. I am you can get a lobster roll. Yep, I am not a traditionalist at all. I think at City Field, it's fantastic. Pat Lafrida's steak sandwich. Yep, as long as they have as long as they have the the industry standard staples that I require, which are uh, your hot dogs, a good burger, good hot dogs. You know, uh, yeah, I mean that's about it. You know, those are those are ballpark foods to me. You know, your fries, crinkle cut would be better, but you know, your French fries, fries your pretzels, you know, that that sort of stuff. As long as you have all that stuff, I don't mind the fancy stuff because baseball is a game you can go to. We haven't in a long time, but you can go to twenty twenty five games in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, by that fifteenth game, I think I want a Shake Shack burger. Do you have to have? Ice cream in the helmet. Not not to eat, but do you think does it need to be available? Yes, absolutely. As a kid, I had it every game. Right. Every game. Every Met game. I have probably 214 Met ice cream helmets somewhere in a closet. Like if you open a closet at my mother's, those will all fall down <laughs> along with like 14 bowling trophies and like just all going to come down on your head. And like three bat day Mets bats before right. they decided it was a bad idea to give people full-size wood bats at a baseball game where they also serve alcohol. I, ha- I still have an orange one. Still have an orange Mets bat from bat day. Full-size. Full-size. It's a full-size bat. Unbelievable. Did I tell you that uh, my friend bought a row of seats from Shea? No. He's got them in his living room. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> who, who is this? How has he not been on the show? Well, I mean, it's a pretty short story. <laughs> but, but I mean, who's this, is that it? Who's this magnificent Met fan? Uh, he, uh, well, he's you, you've met him. Uh, he's uh, our friend Frank. Um, oh, Frank! He has a row of shape. Dark haired, dark haired Frank. Frank, not not blonde Frank. Um, he has a hey, row they, of they, Shea Stadium seats in his living room. Yeah, I'm yeah. coming over. Does he wipe them down for you when you go to sit? They, I have been. Oh, yeah, different. You know the kids. The kids will sit in them, and he he 
he he tells us it's okay, take a seat, but I won't. I won't. Can you imagine being the guy that ru- that ruins the Shea Stadium seat? The Shea Stadium seat. <laughs> or whose kids I, I won't. have like a magic marker? Oh like no! Like yeah, I've, wor- like I've warned them. Yeah, don't you dare! But get the soda away from it. I don't care. Oh, I don't care that they're plastic. Though. They are plastic. But Dan, that's yes, but they, they're irreplaceable. In. <laughs> you can't <laughs> replace them. You can't even repair. How could you repair something? You know, where do you do go you, to repair your Shea Stadium seat? Do you bring your own seat cushion when you go to visit? <laughs> <laughs> He has them. He provides them. They're, well, no, that's on no, that's on seat cushion day. They're just great to look at. It'd be so great if if he did giveaway days, like instead of parties. <laughs> As you get he, there, you get a right. Bat. Like when he when he had a get together, first fifteen <laughs> guests at the party will receive will receive a uh, an autographed poster of me. I got to bring that up. Sponsored by Gold. He, he, he might go right. along with that. Sponsored by rolled gold pretzels. It's <laughs> great. All right, you know what, boys? Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap it. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. Mister, Mister, yes, we're wrapping. Wrap sandwich, Bobby Valentine. Wrap sandwich it up. Invented. PJ, final. Bishop one. Big Cronut. Can I be Bishop Big Big Doissant now? I don't think Listen, so. Only in Montreal. Now, Steve, I want you to just calm down and get away from sharp objects, but the dream is over. Steve Piercy has quit rat. I know. Citing constant turmoil, unresolved business, personal attacks, threats in the public forum, and what? most of all, the band's disrespect to the fans had it and everybody out there has said rat was a band <laughs> still they're still together that's still a thing right cow, cow final unload so is the takeaway that there's an opening now <laughs> warm up the pipes I might know a guy uh, my final unload is to our good friend Garth Snow, who has a very big decision to make in the next couple of weeks with the number five pick in the NHL draft. He could give it up, or he could keep it and give up next year's pick. What's it going to be, boy? What's it going to be? You Ellen Foley now? They do. Billy, Billy from Night Court? <laughs> And my final unload is, hey, hey, Mets, good job, you guys. I may just uh, have to come take in a ball game. I'm slow clapping, but I'm not going to finish slow clapping just yet. All right, that's all the time we have. We'll see you next week on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Good night, PJ, Big Bishop, Cronut. Good night, Cal. I love you. Good night, Moon. Good night. (laughs) Good night.